Amen, amen. I don't know, Pastor Madden, Sister Madden, I'm coming over after church for voice lessons. Amen, amen. Can the church say amen again? Amen. We praise God for that reminder that he indeed lives. We're going to continue in the spirit of worship this morning, looking at a passage of scripture that we should be familiar with. It is coming from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I'm going to ask if they can help me by putting that on the screen. I'm going to invite the church at this time to rest on your feet as we read God's word together at this time. When you find it, please say amen. Luke chapter 17, I'll be reading in the NIV version, verses 11 through 17. If I was to put a title or tag a title to this text, I would go ahead and call it the power of change, the power of change. The word of God says to the people of God this morning, this, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, let me hear the church say one of them. When he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, verse 19, our final verse, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, please have thine own way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, it is the norm that when a preacher arises to the pulpit to preach, he sometimes entertains somewhat of a meandering journey towards the apex of the sermonic spotlight or text or excitement of the passage. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell the church of the living God today that this preacher won't be up here very long. So if you're going to wait to say amen or wait to clap your hands or wait to stomp your feet, I'm sorry for you because you might miss the word. I'm going to be here for just a short while. And so let's jump right into the passage of scripture. The Bible says that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, just for somewhat of an understanding to the context, Jesus is moving between Samaria and Galilee, which is considered a place of tragedy. Samaria and Galilee, the border, is considered a rough part of town. It's a place where you would travel maybe with a weapon or two. It's a place that if you were to travel, you would probably go ahead and pray a whole lot before you went through. It is a dangerous place. Come on, church, in here. But the Bible says that Jesus is on the move. How many people know today that when God is moving, there's something about to happen? You came here and you're probably thinking that you're going to just sit and look cute where you are. But the truth is that when you come into God's house, there is an expectation of God to move in a mighty way. You might have come into God's house today shackled by your circumstance, broken by your past, moved in your tragedy. But when you come into God's house, there is an expectation of God to move in a mighty way. You might even come into God's house today trying to sit real cute. You're not trying to mess up your head wrinkle your outfit or mess up your makeup because you paid a whole lot of money for it but when you come into God's house and God touches you and he moves in a mighty way in your situation you can't help but to give an ugly cry saying thank 
thank you, Lord, for redeeming me and helping me and bringing hope to me and blessing me despite where I am. The Bible says Jesus is on the move. And Jesus is moving between a rough part of town. But I'm so happy in my life. It doesn't matter where you are, God will come and find you when you can't find God. Hello, somebody. I don't know about you, but I've been by the bedside of some folks that can't make their way to church. But church came to them. The Bible says Jesus is on the move. And when Jesus is on the move, that's a blessing in store. How many know in 2015, with the theme of change, Jesus is on the move? The Bible says as he's moving between Samaria and Galilee, he makes his way towards a city, a village, if you will. And the Bible says he sees 10 men. How many men? 10. Ten. And I ask myself the question, Brother Mike, why is it that God or Jesus sees 10 men? 10 men. What is it so profound about 10 men? You see, the interesting thing about this passage is that there's not just one man or one woman, but there's 10 men. 10 men suggest that this person who's going through this tragedy of leprosy isn't by himself. You see, the joy is that in God's house, there are many of us going through the same thing. It doesn't matter if you sit on that side or that side, in the front or in the back. Everybody, everybody is going through something similar. And the joy of that is, is that sometimes when you come into God's house, you feel like you're by yourself. But if you nudge your neighbor, your neighbor will tell you the same tears you shed last night about your problem, I've been shedding it through. And it's good to know that when you're going through things, you're not all by yourself. The Bible says there's 10 men, 10 of them who are feeling disassociated, 10 who are feeling distressed, 10 who are feeling dismantled. Ten who are feeling dispersed. Ten who are feeling as if they've been dissed by God. Anybody ever feel like you've been dissed by God? You ever feel like you're all by yourself? It doesn't matter how many scriptures you read, how many things you sing about, you still feel like you're all by yourself. The Bible says there are ten of them. I need you to turn around and look to your neighbor and say, praise God, I'm not all by myself. Amen. Now the Bible says that 10 of them had leprosy. Leprosy is a disease where it takes the way the external beauty of a man or a woman's look. Leprosy means you don't look as cute as you once did. Leprosy means that you also have a stench that follows that look. Leprosy means you don't walk the same. Leprosy means you don't talk the same. And leprosy means you don't look the same. These men were not looking good, feeling good, or even smelling good. And the Bible says that they are cast out of the city. Because if you had leprosy, it was associated with a disease, which means you are not with God. You are cursed. And so these men don't look good, don't feel good, don't smell good, and they put them on the outside of the city. Now I know some young people in here, and I want to pause here parenthetically to encourage you. Don't you dare allow anybody, however you look, smell, don't you let anybody put you outside of God's church. The Bible says that they were cast outside of the city. And they were living without all of the wonderful things of life. Matter of fact, one context preacher says that if their family wanted to see them, they would have to hide and leave the city. Because if they were found communicating with their family, they would be cut off too. Ten men who are not feeling as if they can experience any change. Ten men who are wishing and wanting, hoping and begging, if you will, to see some kind of hope. And the Bible says that when these men are feeling down and out, all of a sudden... They see a man named Jesus. Anybody know what that feels like? You are just caught up in your mess, but then you see Jesus? Oh, come on on here. You weren't born saved. Let me just explain that to you real quick. Some of us didn't look as cute as we look right now until we bumped up into Jesus. And all of a sudden, we're looking good. We can tie a tie. Hello, somebody. We can shine a shoe and wear socks that match. Because when God comes in your life, he dresses you up. 
I know some of you ain't clapping your hands, but I know I never always use lotion to put my hands together in the morning. But when you find Jesus, you get dressed up real good. I'll go move on. That's a commercial break. All right, the Bible says, stay with me. The Bible says, they see Jesus and they stood at a distance because they understood that if you came close to anybody with leprosy, it was considered a defilement, so they stayed away. And the Bible says that these men who are feeling so low, they question the word and they say, go, sorry, they say, they called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Listen to the text now. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. The Bible doesn't say that these men request to be healed. The Bible doesn't say that these men say, let me see my family. The Bible doesn't say these men suggest, give me a meal to eat. The Bible doesn't say that these men say, we're thirsty, can you give us water? The Bible says that these men understand that they may not know what they need. And because they don't know what they need, they merely ask the question, have pity on us. Abundant life. What does pity mean? Pity does not mean healing. Pity means pay attention to me. Pity means look at me. Pity means help me. But it doesn't specify what they need. Now that's important. Because God's people, God's people, God's church often wants to tell God what prescription they need. So many of us want to tell God, I need this right now. And next month, I need this. right now and the problem is we need to realize that there's power in asking God not for what you need but just for pity the Bible says and as they went they were cleansed now forgive me I'm big in drama I enjoy watching a healthy movie I can see the storyline. Ten men who've been feeling as if there's no hope and no change. And one day they bump into a man named Jesus. And the Bible says they cry out, have pity on us. And these men who cry out, having pity on us, the Bible says that Jesus cleansed them. And he sends them where? Back to the priests. Now imagine, if you will, that as these men are going back, each step they're taking, each move they're making, they're noticing that their toe that didn't look so good now looks well manicured by the finest, finest place in town. They notice that their heel that was a little bit ashy. Anybody can testify in, you know, let me, yeah, 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 yeah. This is Las Vegas. It is dry out here. They're noticing with each step they take, they, they're noticing that all of a sudden their, their, their skin is becoming well moisturized. They're noticing that their knees that seem to buckle at one point, all of a sudden they're finding a little strength. They're noticing that with each step their face is clearing up and they're looking a little better. And the Bible says that they're making their way back. And on their mind, I can't imagine. I can't wait to see my wife. I can't wait to see my kids. I can't wait to see my family who have not seen me for a very long time. They're excited. But the Bible says in the midst of 10 of them, with good reason, heading back home, one could not help himself. One who decided I'm not going to be caught up in my success or my blessing. One who says, even though I got reason to run home, I got to stop and realize if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Oh, come on in here, church. 
Could you just real quickly, in the month of December, peek back in November, October, September, where you thought you were going to throw in the towel, where you thought you were going to give up, where your house almost wasn't your house, where you thought you lost your child, where a young person in the house said to themselves, I ain't coming back, but look at you today. God is good. The Bible says one of them could not help himself, came back praising God. Now that word came back is in the Greek as hoopastroph. That word hoopastroph means that it was an immediate turn. That means he didn't have enough time to see himself looking good. He didn't have enough time to see himself being well put together. The Bible says that when he realized that he was making his way back, he immediately turned around. That's because true change deserves God's praise. And true change should cause us to turn around and find the change maker, which is God himself, and raise our hands and shout glory, hallelujah. Now let me show you something. Let me show you something. These nine men, these nine men who found themselves running home and forgetting which God had healed them, it doesn't mean these nine men were not healed. Listen to me now. Externally, they were healed. But internally, they had a problem. This tells me abundant life. That change should not only be on the external. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. It is one thing to look good. It's another thing to be good. You see, looking good could only last so long. Before you'll know it, things will fall off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before you know it, that person who you swore was all that and then some, that map makeup they paid a whole lot of money for will come off, and the real them will emerge. And you'll say, help me, Holy Ghost, because I didn't think they, oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about in here. When you are fully changed, fully transformed, you will be healed from now until forever. Oh, you're not feeling me, so let me go somewhere else and close this thing down. One day I found myself traveling in Florida, and I, I, I was on this safari. And as I was traveling on the safari, I noticed that there was some, some, some flamingos. Anybody know about flamingos? I saw some flamingos, and I was looking at these flamingos, and as I was looking at them, I noticed that there were pink flamingos. Everybody know about pink flamingos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw a pink flamingos. I said, whoa, look at that. Pretty flamingos. But then I saw some white ones, and I said, Lord, have mercy. What happened to those white ones? They got leprosy? What happened to those white ones? I was confused. And so I leaned forward, and I spoke to the gentleman that was driving, and I said, excuse me, sir, help me. I, you know, I'm from Canada. I struggle. I'm from Toronto. I, I don't often see pink flamingos. Help me out. Why is there a white one? And he said to me, sir, <laughs> you don't know? I said, no. He says, well, they're all born white. But what happens is they eat things that make them pink. And I said, have mercy. I can preach that thing. You see, we're all born in sin. Hello, somebody. But it's based off of God's word that you eat, that you sup, and you're transformed, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Listen, 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 listen. This leper understood that change isn't easy. Change isn't easy. But if God is involved in your change, if God is leading young people in this change, if he is your good shepherd, I say follow him wherever he goes. 2015, abundant life is trying to change some things. But we're not caught up on the external. We're trying to change on the internal. Because we believe that when God is in the vessel, it doesn't matter how your story may end. If God is in the vessel, the best is yet to come. God bless you.
At this time, I invite Brother Miko Ford. Brother Miko, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Amen? And we're calling on some of our young men to pray. Hello, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That deserves a hand clap. Some of our young men to pray. And we're praying by God's grace. We'll make it on the other side, smiling and worshiping, for truly God is to be praised. Lead us in prayer, my friend. All right, you guys, you close your eyes, please. Father God, we'd like to thank you for um, allowing us to come here on the Sabbath day, Father. I'd like to ask that you uh, soften our hearts, Father, so that we will allow you to come in and change us, Father. You know that we walk around with a shell for a long time, and we just ask that you just tap that right there and then break it. And Father, uh, help us to have the Holy Spirit come in through our, throughout our lives. And uh, next week, going on to this next week, Father, I ask that you uh, bless us and help us to show that we are Christians and that we have Christ walking around with us. Keep us long in our heart, Father, and um, bless us on our errands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. something that you want to have changed in your life, whether it's in your spirit, in your body, in your finances, in your health, whatever it is, the Lord is able to make that change and he can begin with your heart if you ask him. Sing with me, change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. May I be like you. Change my heart. 
that changed my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Thank you, sweetie, for that lovely song. Let's just, just pray. Father, you know that it's easy for us to change the furnitures in our house. A little bit more difficult for us to change our cars. Very easy for us to point out who needs to change and what they need to change. We can change our clothes easy. But it's hard, somewhat impossible for us to change our hearts. And so, Lord, today we're focusing on change. But we know without you, there can be no lasting, no real change. And we're asking you, Lord, to change our hearts, change our walk, change the way we think, change the way we behave. Give us, indeed, a clean heart and renew within us a right spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. My job today is not to preach, and I'm glad about that. My, glad, my job today is to remind you that while we focus and change, did you see what it says in your bulletin? What does it say? It's time for change. That's the theme that you are committing to for 2013. It's time to change. Can you say that? Do you believe that? It's time to change. Passage of scripture, Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says this. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, For which of you intending to build a tower? Which of you intending to make a change? Which of you intending to do something different? Sit it not down first and count it the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. I want to just, for just a minute, focus and count in the cost. Because while we're changing, there are some things that we should never change. And those are priorities in January of 2014, the elders and department heads spent time talking about what our priorities should be. And I want to remind you about those priorities. Last week, I had the privilege of being with my son, Kobe. I flew up to Northern California on Wednesday and had the opportunity to be with him and his basketball team as they were in a tournament. And what I noticed is that in the tournament, they somewhat started off a little slow. But when they got to halftime and they took a break and they came back on the court, it was as if it was a different team that came back on the court. I saw my little Kobe um, crossing over and spinning and laying it up. And the team wondered, wow, is this another team on the court? I, my prayer is that the same will be true for the elders, the pastors, and the leaders, and for this church. You see, we're in the second third, we're in the second, we're getting ready to go into the second year of our term. In term one, we weren't bad. But I'm hoping that in term two, in 2015, that we're going to be like that real, real Lindo team, coming on strong. And in fact, I would say they had, a, they had a particular play, they call it the attack. <laughs> I'm hoping that Abundant Life will be on the attack in 2015. And it wouldn't happen, it only happens by prayer. If we would put the slide in the...
So let's look at the Abundant Life Church priorities. And just to be sure that we are on the same page when we talk about priorities, just think about taking a camping trip down to the Grand Canyon for a weekend. And that you showed up at the campsite, at uh, the site ready to go down to the basin of the, of, of the um, Grand Canyon. And you got all these things in your bag. I imagine that the camp, uh, the, the tour guide would say, you know what? This is a good list, you, you got good stuff. But going down is tough. And coming up is even more difficult. So with your good list, I imagine that the, the, the tour guide would say, listen, let's prioritize. Let's be sure that we're taking just what we need. Somebody may say you don't need any deodorant and any lip gloss. You can get by without that. But I know how that is, so I kept it in there. <laughs> but you know you're going to want to have some lip gloss and your deodorant, your sleeping bag. The makeup you don't need. Calculator, what for? Good things, right? Your computer, good to have, but not on that camping trip. It's going to slow you down. In fact, it may keep you from not completing the trip. Would you say amen? amen? That's what the priorities are. So we said at the department level, let's look at what we ought to focus on at the department level. These are the priorities we committed to. One, that we will be well-disciplined, well-organized, and that we, so that we don't have conflicts in how we schedule. You remember how we used to be? would have one thing scheduled on top of the other. We said we don't want to do that, and we want to optimize the spiritual gifts of our members. Is that still a good thing? Next, we say we want to be intentional. Intentional about getting to know each other and loving each other and embracing our differences. We still got work to do here. Amen? But that's one of our priorities, and we want to be sure that in 2015, we are making great progress there. The other, we said that our members, our people, and our members and our community support and benefit from our core programs. We don't just want to keep doing fancy things. We have a staple of things that are critical, Sabbath services. We want everybody here. We want our community here. Wednesday night prayer meeting, we want full support. Sabbath school, church school, community service, and evangelistic efforts, right? We're okay, but we're not where we need to be. Would you say amen? We want to ensure that when we have services, not only are we here, but the community is here. The other thing we say, we want to have a thriving health ministry program. You know that health is the right arm of this gospel that we are supposed to be spreading? We want to be thriving in our health ministries. We want to impact our members, our community, and our school. Amen? So those are the priorities that we committed to at the department level. That is just how we work together and what we work on. The elders then got together and we looked at what is the spiritual condition of the church? And we have some spiritual priorities as well. Here I just want to say, what, what, is the, what are some of the problems that we see? Our people don't know what we believe and why. I'm not talking about Paul, Sue, Jane, talking about me and you. Amen? So we say, because we don't know what we believe, we're going to have an issue being prepared for the end time events. How many of you believe we're living in the end times? If we don't know what we believe, we're not going to be prepared. Not only that, we're not going to have a sense of urgency about helping others to be prepared. So we said one of our priorities from this pulpit is that we focus on ensuring that we understand the doctrines. Amen? You got to pray that that happens because that will bring about the revolution of change that we need. The other thing we say is that we don't know each other and we don't visit. Sometimes we visit if there's a calamity, but that's a little late. We ought to visit when we can, right? And so we said we're going to focus on ensuring that we are visiting and spending time getting to know each other and that we're developing meaningful relationships so that everybody feels a part of the church. And what happens when people feel a part of the church? They work and they do what? Stay where? In the church. They stay in the church. We want to be sure we're meeting social and spiritual needs. That's one of our priorities.
The other priority we said, we said one of the problems we see is that we are not one. We are not one, but we want to be one. Not only do we want to be one, we need to be one. Jesus in John chapter 17 prayed that we would be one. And you know what? Remarkable things will happen as we become one. Amen? Oh, that was weak. Can I get an amen? amen. Oneness is a spiritual what? Can you all see this? Okay. It's a spiritual imperative. And so that's one of the things we want to focus on from the desk and us working together to make that a reality. Sometimes there's some grumbling, grumbling about music. I don't hear it as much as I used to, but we have that every once in a while, right? And I just say nobody should come to church ever to have to leave grumbling about something that happened in church. Amen? Amen? And so the music department is doing an excellent job, and we want to ensure that we continue to build that great medium, that happy medium in the area of music. These are other priorities that we're working on. Stewardship. Critical, retention of our youths, critical. And so those are areas that we're continuing to formulate and to ensure that we have good plans around those. So those are the priorities. And as we focus and change, we want to still commit to keeping our eyes in these areas. And we are asking your prayer. And I want to say this. It takes a village and much prayer to make these priorities a reality. Would you say amen? amen. Would you commit? by God's grace, that you're going to pray and work towards helping these priorities to go further in 2015? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Elder Hudson. Change. And uh, I heard Elder Brown say there, change is good, but there's some things that we should not change. And it is my prayer that as we make all these changes now and for the new year, that we will keep Jesus at the center of it all. Um, Crystal is going to accompany me today. We're going to sing, were it not for grace, I can tell you where I'd be. Where would we be without Jesus?
Praise the Lord. As we are coming down from this mountain, I want you to know that we are on the mountain by grace. It is by grace. And truly we have been blessed. And we want you to know that the Lord is telling this church, the Abundant Life Church, that it's time for change. It is time for you to recognize that you cannot continue the same way that you have been in 2014 and 13. It is time to get it together. It is time for us to bring excuses. It is time for us to get our act together, but we can't do it. We need Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so the Lord is encouraging us that it's time for us to make a change. And this change has to happen on the inside. And so, without delay, I just want to take the next five minutes to sow in your heart a hope that the Lord has given us. And I want you to turn your Bibles quickly with me because we don't have much time. I want you to turn to John, the book of John, chapter 4. The book of John, chapter 4. And as we see in this book of John, chapter 4, it's a very popular scripture. But the Lord somehow has a way of just showing us certain things that we have not seen before. And so in the next five minutes or so, I want to just show you some of the things that God wants to do. If he did it before, he can do it again. Amen? Father, we just ask that you will continue to bless and lead us, Lord. We pray, Father, that you will charge this church, young and old, that we will get our tracks, our trains on the tracks. We will get on the, our cars back on the road in the direction of change. We know that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Hide us, Lord. Behind the cross of Calvary, 
and speak through us, minister through us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The scripture tells us in the book of John, John chapter 4, it says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, they were curious. It tells us, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. Jesus is traveling through that same region that Pastor Clark just preached on. He is passing through that, that dangerous spot in verse 4, and it says, And he passed through Samaria, and he came to the town of Samaria called Shikar, or Shikar. Near the field of Jacob, uh, that Jacob had given his son unto Joseph. Now, I want to understand this place of Shekar. It is the place where jo Joseph was buried. It is the place where Jacob was buried, and Abraham lived in that spot. So this is a very special consecrated spot. It's a place where wars were fought because the Jews and the Samaritans, they were fighting over territory. But Jesus came to this place of Shekar, and as he came to this place, he came to the well of Jacob, and Jesus came there, and he sat there at the well. Now, you don't understand what this means. Jesus came to this very, this place of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And Jesus came and he simply sat there and waited. I want some of us to understand that Jesus is sitting in a certain place and he is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to show up. And as Jesus sat there... He waited, and he was waiting for something and didn't quite know. But let me tell you what Jesus did. He made an arrangement with his disciples. While the disciples went into town to buy meat, which I understand was vegetarian meat, <laughs> while they were in town shopping, Jesus told them, meet me at the well of Jacob that is in Samaria. I'm going to be there. And Jesus sat there because he knew he was waiting for someone. He wanted to do something in someone's life. He wanted to cause a renovation in someone's life. He wanted to cause a change of direction in someone's life. He wanted to present the opportunity to this person. And so Jesus was sitting there and he was waiting. And it says here in verse 6, Jacob well was there, and so Jesus weary, and he, as he journeyed, he sat at the well. And it was about the sixth hour. It was about 12 o'clock, noon, high day. Nobody comes by the well at that day. Nobody hangs around by the well at that day because it was the hottest part of the day. Usually you come to the well early morning. And if you ran out, you come later in the evening. But Jesus was there sitting. And it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus was sitting there and he was waiting for this woman. This woman, somehow she was caught up in all kind of stuff. And Jesus knew about her. He knew more about her than she knew about herself. And so as Jesus was sitting there waiting for this woman, as Jesus is sitting in a certain spot waiting for some of us to get to where we need to go, Alicia, Jesus was sitting there. And the woman came. And Jesus was by the well with nothing, no equipment. And Jesus said simply, give me to drink. Give me to drink. And as, Je as Jesus was uh, teasing this woman into this conversation, he knew that he had a purpose for her. He knew that he had a mission, Brother Obi, for her. 
Too long this woman had continued the same way. She had tried all kind of different things, but she was failing socially. She was failing financially. She was failing in all different directions. It says the disciples had gone to the city for food, as I gave you information on. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said unto him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, water, to give water to drink? How is it? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They were at odds. And Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus was setting this up. I want you to understand that Jesus is sitting in a certain place in your life right now, Brother Andy. And he is waiting to make, he's waiting for us to make a change. And Jesus is very patient. Sometimes Jesus, he's been sitting there for years waiting. He's been sitting for years, but somehow this woman showed up and Jesus got into a conversation and Jesus says, listen, woman, you don't know who you are talking to. If you knew that you are talking to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who spoke everything into existence, you would have been in awe. And so they got into this conversation. And as they got into this conversation, they got into this dialogue and so forth, Jesus was pouring and setting up purpose in this woman's life. And he was telling her that, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you something eternal life. I'm going to give you water, the water that I will give you. You will never thirst again. And the woman says, sir, I have, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is very, very deep. Where did you, where would you get this living water that you are talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob who built this well, who dug this well? He gave us this well and drank from it himself and his sons and their livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks the water that I give shall never thirst again. The water that I will give will become in him a, a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. And when the woman heard this, she says, Sir, give me this water so that I may th never thirst again or, uh, or have to come to draw water at noonday. Uh, give me this water. And Jesus said unto her, Go. And called your husband and come here. And the woman said unto him, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You are telling the truth that you have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one that you're living with is not your husband. You know, somehow Jesus has a way of dropping something on your life. He has a way of just turning it around and presenting the truth. And, whoa, none of us want to be exposed, Brother Sidney. If our lives right now, if, if, a, if a little word window would open up over our lives and all of a sudden, poof, it just shows the world exactly what is in your heart, a lot of us will be ducking out of church here. But Jesus knew all, but he was not there to condemn. I want you to understand, Jesus was speaking to an extremely sinful woman. And he wanted to bring about a change in this woman's life. And I don't have the full time to talk about the whole context of this. But I want to tell you, church, today that Jesus, he wants to bring about a change he wants to bring about a change in our lives. And the Abundant Life Church, in the previous surveys that we have taken, what I realized that the church is crying out for a spiritual change. I'm hearing individuals saying, listen, pastor, I, I have been doing certain things all my life, but I, I want to have a change. I want to have a new direction, but I don't know how. This woman, she was crying out for it, and the Savior showed up. Now, folks, 
It is time for us to be real. It is time for us to be real. Some of us are playing this game, and we're playing this game over and over and over, and the game is, is outplaying us. Over and over, we find ourselves in, these, in this situation, and, and we want to have a change, but we don't know how. And when we consider what God wants to do in our lives, it's an amazing thing. Albert Einstein he talks about this whole idea of insanity, the definition of insanity. You know what that is, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. This was the woman. She tried over and over, five times married, expecting a different result, but it was the same thing because the problem was her. She was broken. She needed a change. But praise God, Jesus was right there. He showed up to offer that change, to offer her a new direction, to offer her truly uh, what change is, change that you can believe in. Amen? And that was Jesus Christ. I want you to understand change must take place from the inside out, not the opposite. Change occurs when your relationship is real. It has to be real with Jesus. Change happens when you realize that you are approaching a cul-de-sac. You understand the French word, right? You're coming in and you don't know. You, you have no way to turn. Just like when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were caught between the Red Sea and the pursuing army of Egypt and they had no way to look. But they had to look up. And Jesus brought about a change. He opened up the Red Sea and they were able to cross through. Praise the Lord. Change takes place when God gives you a warning to change your course or suffer the consequences. Some of us have the warning right now in our lives. Change happens when we surrender self and let God lead. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Change is waiting to happen, but we need to focus on the change maker. That is Jesus Christ. Amen? Change will not take place if we keep holding on to the failures of the past. Change cannot be forced. It must be embraced with a willing heart. Change will, will, will not work if we harbor an unforgiving spirit. It will not happen. Change occurs once we make, will not occur once we make alliances with darkness. And so this woman had to change. She recognized that her only change was right there sitting and she came down to the point in her conversation that she was face to face with the maker of heaven and earth. You came to church today, and you came broken, and God came in in a special way, and he's saying, listen, you don't have to go out the same way that you came in. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I know your mess. I know your stuff. I know where you're going, and I know if you continue down that road, it's not going to work. And so the change maker is here, Jesus Christ, in the person of the Holy Spirit. This woman was broken. This woman was sleeping around with a man that was not her husband. But Jesus came and sat on her well. And as he sat there, he waited, waited. And as when this woman showed up, Jesus, he knew that he was going to use this woman, this one sinful woman, to win an entire city. You see, the woman, she thought that she was safe. She thought that she was coming undercover. No one would know. You know, she, she was hiding out. No one would know, but Jesus was there waiting to turn her life around. And when she realized who she was dealing with, 
When she realized that she was dealing with the one who made heaven and earth, she went into the city and she said, come and see a man. 